Hello and welcome back to the Pilgrims Podcast. My name is Archie and joining me this week is Chris, Aaron and Tom. Aaron, you're with us again. Thank you so much for your time. How are you doing? Very well, Archie. Thanks for the invite. It's good to be back to talk all things Argyle. And, uh, yeah, when were you last, so, yeah. When were you last year? November? Not much it was, changed. yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, a lot has changed, isn't it? <laughs> a lot of things have come and gone. Yeah, don't worry. We won't be covering all of it uh, today. <laughs> just just looking at Cardiff, although a lot happened in that game, didn't it? Yeah, loads, loads. And um, what I liked in particular was uh, <clears throat> how we, I thought we really dominated the second half in particular um, and showcased, you know, when you look at them being a side ahead of us in the, in the division, I thought we we showcased our qualities all over the pitch. So it was it was encouraging. Obviously, under a new tenure, as we know, um, mm. and let's let's hopefully you know hope that that is the the platform to kick on. Mm, absolutely, Chris. Let's uh, start at the top at two p.m. UK time. The lineup was announced, and it's fair to say it caused a bit of a shock or plenty of discussion, at least amongst us here at the pod. Uh, what were your initial thoughts on that? Two debutants. A risk, possibly, from Foster. Yeah, I mean, I, this is where it helps that I've never played football manager. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't... Ultimately, it's the manager's choice. And, and you know, this is not purely the benefit of hindsight, but to me, it might be as simple as he's now had a week with most of those players, thinks they're superior to some of his other choices, and had an ex-Premier League player that if it is a guaranteed starter. So to, I, I was surprised. I was absolutely surprised, but maybe didn't go quite down the, you know, we're panicking and just having a go as, as some. Yeah. Tom, for me, that was my initial reaction, is that it's, it's and possibly that's how I view life, <laughs> slightly glass half empty than full, it, that it possibly wasn't a ringing endorsement of what Foster thinks of, Jordan Alton, let's say that you know when Adam Forshaw's been in Plymouth for twenty four hours, he's dropped straight in. Um, yeah, I just when I saw the lineup, uh, I think I just had a sort of about a month's worth of PTSD sort of realize on me because I, I think I, I interpreted in about three seconds how I processed that that was, oh my goodness, he doesn't like what he's seen because mm. anybody who joined the club is basically involved. Um, including Adam Forshaw, who's obviously a cultured, experienced midfielder who played Premier League games, I think, last season. So that's not lost on me. But to um, to be thrown in with no prep whatsoever, I chose to look at that as what what remains of the goodwill. In, in my head, we had to process Schumacher leaving, and I kind of convinced myself, oh, was he that big a deal? And then we had some players leaving, and I'm trying to comfort myself that that wasn't a big deal. But... We've uh, we've done really well in the last couple of years. I'm penny for Aaron's thoughts on it on being better than the sum of our parts. And actually, then in that moment, I kind of process that of okay, the sum of our parts is so significant now, following all that change in the last month, that players can just be parachuted in uh, and and take a spot. So I kind of had this sudden realization: maybe I've been kidding myself. That oh my goodness, he he hasn't got as much to work with as I thought. And it took me a good 90 to 105 minutes to get over that. Um, Aaron, I don't know what you thought of the team selection. I thought it was bold um, when I when I 
when I saw it and I thought, okay, he's, um, I look at it in two ways. It's him putting a stamp on what he wants, saying, I've come in. I'm not just playing people on familiarity and reputation. Here they are. I'm, I'm picking play people who I think are good enough to win this football match. And you've got to, you've got to, you know, if I'm looking at it from a complete neutral, he's brought players into the football club that should be good enough to play. So therefore, it's up to him whether he picks them or not. Um, I think one of the concerns would be match fitness, I suppose. And, you know, the fact that um, the number of the new starters, including last week, are loans. And, you know, what, what does that say about the signed players? So I can I can understand from an internal perspective how tension might then begin to, to kind of build. Um, but it also, on the flip side, might give the others who weren't involved they kick up the backside they they might now need to showcase that they need to kind of take it up a level or two. Um, yeah. Just Chris, just on that, there's, there's anyone in a new job, you've kind of got two options, right? Because doesn't have to be football. You either take a good bit of a look, and I, I like your point around putting your own kind of stamp on it, but number, this is very facetious, so apologies as I say it, but you don't get match time without playing. We haven't got a reserve team. You know, you could probably stick a couple of the kids in a lower level but that to me might have been what was on his mind is at some point these people need to play and i've got two choices i phase them in or i just accelerate the process of playing together and match fits this as soon as soon as i possibly can i mean that's how it read to me it's not just bold it was the one thing i'm missing here is these people knowing each other so the sooner they get to know each other the better which without getting there before you Archie, probably explains the first half an hour right yeah, quite possibly. Just to cap it off, I think upon reflection, the only one that was of real shock for me was Jordan Nelson, who's had a really, really good season. Fantastic the way he's developed in this league. And we've talked about it extensively, Tom, haven't we, this this season? So I think that for me, looking at looking back at it, was the only one, would you say, that was harsh, unexpected? Um, I wasn't sure about Mumba being played out of position. But then I think that we could do another pod about what's Barley's position. I mean, we've learned a lot mm. in the last sort of six months that, you know, he's certainly not the, and this isn't a dig, but I think Barley's a far more com- complex player than we thought um, uh, in in, in the, the fact that he's sort of not this superhuman who's going to score loads of goals from left back all the time, but he's got a lot of wider qualities to him. Um, so that one threw me, um, which meant Miller came in. So I'm there kind of, you know, you throw the foreshore gamble on in and then a million pound player's been played out of position. I'm a bit old fashioned in like start with your start with your two or three best names on the team sheet. Um but again, I mean I'm speaking for a place that hears me commenting on the decisions of someone who knows the game inside out, who's been mm. appointed purely on his sort of knowledge and technical expertise, because obviously there was no C V of managerial uh, of league management to speak of. Um and, and and as the afternoon went through, you know, um, he, he put he put all those concerns at ease, really, um, because it, it did turn. But yeah, like that first half, an hour, it looked to me, Archie, like a bunch of players hadn't played together. Um, and I think how I'm retrospectively analysing it, because it did improve substantially in the end of the first half and the second half, was well, that was inevitable, isn't it? If they literally, you know, in Forshaw's case, you know, half, you know, what how long's the train session, you know? couple of hours you know, mm-hmm. of, of working together. So if they can work that quickly on the job, then great. I don't believe that that's it. We're done and that's the gelling process. But um, mm-hmm. it's good to see fast progress and obviously people sticking to very specific tasks. 
Aaron, we're trying to work him out, aren't we, Foster? The impressions thus far has been really, really good. Really listen, interesting guy to listen to. Uh, I'm making a real point of t- tuning into those uh, press conferences. You can watch on Argyle TV now, and it's a really interesting listen. But having seen him operate yesterday and the team discussion that we've discussed, bold is the word coming to mind and brave. Yeah, and I think that that showcases also his confidence in his own capability. I think as a coach mm, or yeah. head coach, you want to call it that. As the head coach, not manager, you know, head coach, and he's gonna he's gonna lead from the front and he's gonna set his game plan out as how he wants the players to play. And I've having spoken to a few of the players already, they kind of know exactly what they want. Um, he knows what they now know. Sorry, what what he expects from them. They know the triggers. You know, it's no coincidence why Ryan played so well yesterday. It was he was the trigger point for the press. He was trying to make penetrative runs, and that was the way that he wanted them to stretch the 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 backline of Cardiff. And um, for me, he's got loads of knowledge. So if you've got loads of knowledge in terms of how to create an operation, a football club, a football team, then for me, there were players. The only one for me, if I go slightly off tangent, was Alfie Devine starting. That was the only one that I thought. Ooh, I know that the the Forshaw one having not. Had loads of minutes because Devine had come from League One and he had gone straight into champ, which is a step up for him. Whereas the others who had come in last week and obviously Forshaw yesterday have played Premier League or at that level, so they kind of know the level. Um, But I think uh, they've worked all week on, on, you know, they've had loads of meetings that he's very tactically heavy. And if you've got people who have got a brain and they're physically capable and they understand what's expected of them. I think, like you said, that sum comes together. Regarding Divine. Yeah. Regarding Divine, I think it was interesting. He made a point in one of his interviews, Foster, this is about having previously worked with Divine. I forgot what England set up that was or what age profile it was. But he said it was, he's he's having a head start with Divine. Divine kind of knows him and the terminology and the tactics are kind of already there. He knows what to expect. So that possibly answers that a bit. But you're right, it was risky. And Callum Wright obviously then missed out having started against uh, Huddersfield. So that was a sacrifice there. Chris, let's move on. Um, Morgan Whitaker, captain yesterday for what I believe was the first time. I think it was. Off the top of my head. <laughs> I haven't actually researched that. I think it was the first time he captained the team, at least from the start. Um, we later found out um, he's part of this leadership group, which is a very struck me as an England FA St George's Park terminology leadership group I've heard Gareth Southgate say that again and again and again over the last six years I've actually I don't think I've heard Schumacher or Lose that may have done um an interesting moment a huge huge moment I would say in Morgan Whitaker's Argyle journey I'm just trying to work out if Aaron's cop at the mention of Schumacher was like a reaction like a visceral reaction <laughs> Again, no I no inside knowledge here, but it felt like yes, he's a he's a leader. Um it feels like that anyway on the pitch, right? There's two types of leadership. There's kind of telling people what to do and just being a bit of a talisman, and he's you know, carries the team so many times. Maybe it also feels that the mention of uh, our Alton Towers friends that, you know, if you're going to give him it, now's the time. But, you know, what, what else can we throw at the guy to make sure that he feels as loved as he possibly can? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, to me, again, it just feels part of that kind of, we're in a funny transitional phase and Edwards is not on the pitch, Houghton's not on the pitch. 
feels like the natural go-to, right? I, I guess in an old world, that would have gone to Scar in my head as the kind of war horse that can get the team going. But again, it felt like, well, the obvious point actually is age is not a barrier to success. That's the that's the big thing. I'm not going to give it to the old guys. I'm going to give it to the people that are demonstrating the talent, which he obviously has been. So I'd also say, because I'm miserable, it's not something I hold a huge amount of sway on, like mm-hmm. club captain, vice captain. But I, yesterday, it did feel significant. It really did. Yeah. <clears throat> felt, like a, felt, like a, felt like a statement, hopefully, possibly is not part of some kind of wider... wider... Uh, pitch for him to stay long term. Not saying that we're trying to talk him out of a transfer, but I think it's good good to make sure that Morgan knows he's appreciated. And if if Morgan is this kind of guy, which I think we believe him to be, I think it's fairly transparent that Morgan's not just after the next pound note. I'm not saying he's going to turn down Premier League football at some point, but I, we know he turned down better offers to come back to us. So there's some goodwill there. And if you're that kind of person, you're ideal club captain, aren't you? Because everybody else you know we're just looking at on a spectrum of how transactional people are with the football club even joe edwards our club captain he's going to be loyal but he still wants employment if there's not any kicking around is there so um for me to see a captain go to somebody who has some value at the club beyond it just being their employer makes makes sense um but it foster's a smart guy right it's a statement he knows what he's doing he knows how people are going to react to that when they saw that on the team sheet um Mm. um One more thing on Foster. One more thing on Foster and Whitaker. Foster's ha- handling the Whitaker speculation really, really well. I think this is a complete side note. In the presses, he's taken a very kind of light-hearted approach. I'm not aware he's what week two in the job, so he can, can kind of afford to take that line poss- possibly. And you know, in a few weeks, he might get sick of that line of questioning. But he seems to be handling it with uh, maturity and a coolness. Uh, so we'll see how that lasts. Uh, Aaron. Do you have? Were uh, you able to kind of dissect that first thirty minutes for us? Because it wasn't, it wasn't great. It wasn't horrendous. It was a poor goal to concede from a set piece, which I'm sure Foster in particular would be mad about. It was a bit of a freak goal coming off Phillips's or rebounding off his head uh, or face, even. Yeah, it was. It seemed like a bit of a mess. And then, uh, you know, me and Tom are kind of sitting there thinking, we, we will be told you so. This team looks like they just met each other, and we're losing to Cardiff at home, and we really need to be winning this. Yeah, I thought um, it was it was obvious what they were trying to do, but I thought Cardiff counteracted it by pressing. They pressed five, and when you're trying to play up from the back with our um, three at the back, the two fullbacks were pushed high, and then you had Forshaw and JB dropping in. It became a six v five with Connor Hazard, and obviously, if I'm being brutally honest, Connor Connor isn't brilliant with his feet. He's okay, he moves the ball well, but he doesn't look assured like he's an outfield mm-hmm. player. So because they played, they pressed five we couldn't get out and then we were giving up possession and you know after they scored there was a little bit of uh indecisiveness wasn't there I think Forshaw kind of misplaced a pass right on the edge of the box and they had a shot that went for a corner and then he got caught trying to go back to the keeper and I think it came off one of their guys and went for a goal kick but then I I thought we started to get a little bit of joy when they started to miss a line so clearly a message had got out, whether it was to Ash Phillips or the back line, to, to start to miss Forshaw and miss um, JB in particular and start playing into Hardy, playing into Whitaker, And it started to stretch. And when we got that one or two combinations in behind, Cardiff started to just just drop a little bit and, and spaces were being created. But I could understand why, like you've already alluded to, Archie, why um, 
there was a lack of disconnect in that first 30 minutes because a lot of mm. them have just been thrusted together. Even though they're all professional footballers and they can play the game, when you're asking for specific strategies, it just takes a bit of time to, to bet in. And thankfully, they didn't capitalise on... I only thought they had like a five-minute spell after they scored where they looked like they were... I wouldn't say Connor was really tested, but they just looked a little bit more imposing than we were. Um, yeah. But I think it also helped that, without, if I'm being brutally honest, that Cardiff weren't a particularly great opponent. Had it been... Yeah like a Leeds or a Leicester, it might have been a different story. I have a question for teacher. Um, never Not playing football to the extent that misalign is a terminology I'm familiar with, um, but do you mean boot it long, Aaron? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Boot that's, it to trigger yeah. is normally yeah. my, is my experience of that. Um, yeah, yeah, I like I'm, that. It's interesting because I'm trying to piece that together because I saw it didn't go well. Obviously, the goal was, uh, you know, that wasn't particularly good, although there was a lot of chance no. occurrences in there. Um, some apprehension, players not playing together, and all that in that mixing pot. I'm kind of think, how does this unpick itself? Because again, by the 30th, by minute 30, or just before the goal, I would say it changed, and and we didn't change our system particularly, and they didn't change theirs until the second half, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But um, I took some disheartening. Oh, here we are, we're going long. Goodness me, don't like the look of this, and. It's nice to sit down knowing having that we got the result, and you just sit there and go, okay. So the long ball was a, was a deliberate ploy to sort of get out of the the, the mess that not mess, but un, out of the press that Cardiff were putting under. Um, is, is that how you see? It? Is that how you change? So just sort of stop them doing what they're doing and and leaving a lot more to chance because you know we fancied our chances if we got some space. Yeah, well, you pose questions. I mean, naturally, if if they're pressing. And you keep trying to play the same way and you can't get out. You need to change something. And if that means going, because a few balls were just humped long just to kind of stretch it and to become a bit of a fight. And then that should put a little bit of, not doubt, but a, a second thought process into the Cardiff back line going, well, actually, they're starting to miss us. So be careful not to press all the time. And also, if you continually press, it's really fatiguing. It's really physically demanding. So there's no team in the world that can maintain a full press for the whole game. You know, so there, there will be times where they don't opt to press and that's when the gaps mm. are exploited. And I, I also thought maybe the weather played a bit of a part. You know, the wind was kind of wreaking a little bit of havoc where it was swirling and, you know, and then we got a little bit of joy where there was a little bit of combination play. I think Rye put a ball across for Whitaker who just, just missed it. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Really and that naturally gets the crowd up, doesn't it? And that starts to cause that, you know, create that adrenaline. And, you know, I just think things started to come together then. So, um yeah, it, it, as the game wore on, I mean, we'll go to the second half in a minute, but it felt like the last 10 minutes of the game could have been four or five. It's a story we've had all season, isn't it? Obviously, different manager, different coach, different approach, some different players. Mm. Um, but that turn, and I suppose the goal's massive. I mean, goals change games, don't they? If that goal doesn't go in, does it happen later? Does it happen at all? Don't know. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm searching for... Uh, some clues as to it being deliberate <laughs> because um obviously if we take if we can conclude that this was the ploy and we've got a coach who can think and change like that like you say with a team that's new then i'd be very excited obviously the more to chance there is you could look at that two ways in that it's less deliberate so it doesn't tell us as much but equally you know a healthy reminder that football's a lot about random occurrences they will have sorry to jump in there they foster will definitely have plans in place so it will go right, this is plan A. I don't want to use the cliche of A and B and whatnot, but they'll say, this is primary. If that doesn't work, this becomes the next bit. And if it doesn't work, then we'll do that. And that necessarily, or doesn't necessarily mean you always change a system, 
it changes your priority. So it might be that they have two two things. They'll have a focus player and a target player that they're trying to play into. So the focus might be, let's say, the base midfield players. The focus is to play into them to then maybe hit Ryan Hardy. So what you do is you draw the opponent towards the ball to set it back to play through. Now, if they're getting no joy playing into the primary focus, the target still might be Hardy. So therefore, their secondary focus might be going wide. So they go wide to set it back and then go in. So if you can't go through, can you go around? If you can't go around, can you go over? And it kind of you, you kind of layer it in that way. But doesn't that, that, internet. that that still feels again? There's a whole conversation about how we all watch the game that we've been having that we should bring up. But that it feels like we haven't done that this season until he arrived. Our setting seemed to be we're going to score more than you are, right? And yes, there may have been some slight differences in how we did that and we experimented with setter, but fundamentally the plan was exploit our attacking assets. And we've now sort of scraped our way past an inferior team, settled for a point away at arrival. You know, it's too soon to judge, but that feels quite positive that there is a little more change things up, use the personnel rather than just keep going for the win yeah yeah and uh, the um you, you sometimes well you know the higher up the leagues you go teams start to figure you out a little bit and there were there were moment moments just prior to schumacher going and just after he and this is nothing no disrespect to, to nance or, or juice Nip or anything like that but you could see when the team were playing they were they were they were changing positions based on habit, not based on timing of triggers. So they were just rotating because they've done it, and the timing was all over the place. And we were giving up possession, and because we were so expansive, we were getting cut right through centrally. And I think this guy will now come in, and he'll do a lot of work. They've done a lot of pitch time last week. You know, they've had long hours. They were out on the pitch. They were doing lots of bits and pieces about timings and when that happens. And for me, if it means starting again and giving them more intelligence on when, not just why and how they're going to do these movements, but when, for me, the timing is always the most critical one. The timing of when they move, I think we'll start to, to see some real progress. Which really and it's the last time I'll mention this word, hopefully, for the whole season. But you've got to hope that some of those surreptitious phone calls are coming in from ex-players to current players and they're going like, new world here, mate. <laughs> like, don't... I don't want the old world. I'm quite enjoying this new world. I'm getting coached to within an inch of my life, which is how it felt with Hardy yesterday. If you watch that, he, he really did. No one ever sits there miserable, but he was sort of glowing, I thought, not just yeah. his performance, but from the, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Chris. It's a good observation. I thought the same. I don't think I've seen Hardy, Ryan Hardy in many press conferences. You know, I knew I knew he was Scottish and I knew what he sounded like, but I didn't I don't think I've heard him speak much. And it was he was a really, really interesting listen. I know it's easy to be an interesting listen after arguably his best game of the season, but um a great listen. Hey, speaking of Ryan, a really interesting goal, I thought, Tom. It wasn't maybe not one that will make, you know, a YouTube highlight reel. Uh, certainly won't be front and centre, but the way he opened his body up and kind of almost just cushioned it, it guided the ball into the corner of the net. Um, great goal. Interesting you throw that to me. I'd, I'd like to throw that back to his coach at some point, but here's my take on it for whatever reason. Um, he overused phrase in football, right, about knowing where the goal is, yeah, but he turned his body in advance. I mean, again, the defending was all over the place. The defenders sort of dropped deep to the base, to the goal line, 
in the six-yard box for some reason can't work that out, but that's not Ryan's bother. He might have done the same thing anyway, but you can see as the ball comes in, um, he's changed. The, he, he knows exactly what he's doing, doesn't he? It's like it's like a it's like a pinball lever, isn't he? Just absolutely turned his body, directed it in the goal. It doesn't need to be exactly precise. He's going. I'm going low. It's going to go bottom left somewhere, and I'm going to do it quickly before anybody's really worked it out. Um, that kind of goal, I love. Yeah, I, I I like spectacular goals as well, but that kind of goal where you can see the thought process, Aaron, I I love um, because it's deliberate, and th- and those are the kind of goals you're more likely to score rather than one that goes outside the box in a Morgan Whitakerless world. Sorry, Chris. Just, yeah, just before you come back to how he finished it, rewatching it, I'm pretty sure the the pass to him was deliberate. Like at the time, it looked like he kind of fluffed it, but I think you got to give credit to the uh, to the pass that came through. It was a light, nicely weighted. Coming back to the divine bit, maybe that is what he's seeing in him. He's got a touch of touch of quality there to get him that ball. Hmm. Yeah, Aaron, is yeah, this, yeah, is this yeah, tell yeah. us that this this was all you? This no, it was no, absolutely not. Nothing to do with me. That was all Ryan. Um, absolutely. <laughs> um, I mean, and, and and to be fair, when you look at Alfie Divine yesterday, he made he had a sister a goal. JB was involved in the third goal. So the mm. boys, the new boys coming in, are contributing. Um, yep. And Ryan, he, he's he's a goal scorer, you know. And what I like is he's he's shown this season a variety of goals. I mean, let's just go back to his goal at Southampton the other week, you know, just chasing someone down because he thought, "I'll oh, just put him under pressure," and got a, a ricochet and it went in, you mm-hmm. know. And then let's talk about his second goal yesterday. It was a pure; he made it all himself, you know. So what I like with Ryan at the minute is is the variety of his goal scoring. So teams. You know, we'll, we'll find it hard to kind of shut him down because they don't know what you're going to get from him in a way. It's not like he's unpredictable. Well, it is to an extent, but it's in a good way. Um, but one thing he's done really well over the last six weeks is he's really focused on. I've sent it some data clips of, of him and, and things mm-hmm. like that. And he started to really focus on the details of, of, of finishing. And, you know, he's got he's got aspirations of getting in the, in the Scotland squad. And why not? You know, um, yeah. You said, Archie, you said, Archie, something like, um, debatably, is for. I think that's his best game in an Argyle shirt. And I was expecting, when I was looking at the Plymouth Herald, for him to get a 10. Because if 10s are just reserved for hat-tricks, then you'll never, you, you rarely, rarely see them. Because often, sometimes, hat-tricks are scored where you're not, part, you're not integral to all the goals. You might just be putting tap-ins. I thought Ryan was sensational yesterday. Aaron, I actually think in terms of improvement, we kind of laid a lot of credit on Jordan Houghton because we weren't sure, but obviously Jordan's been at a uh, at a top Premier League academy, so he's obviously been picked on technical ability before, and that's coming to the fore. Ryan's improvement. Bear in mind, he came on to us on loan to us in League Two, and he's was it twenty six, twenty seven, Ryan. So he, he, at that point, he wasn't you know sort of the age that you see Ash Phillips now. I think Ryan's one of the best strikers in the Championship. I don't see many strikers come here and play and be more effective than he is um, because he seems to like have everything. I, I think the variety is a really important point, Aaron, because I think actually last season toward the end, you know, he wasn't getting the goals Niall Ennis was because I think people, and, and obviously we were top of the league, the defence has just put the low block in, which is obviously what Ryan's historically struggled to mm. make himself effective in. But you know, look at the, he, he can make goals himself. He can finish them off. He can go sin. He can read where it's going. That game, the goal against Watford on New Year's Day, it's kind of not talked about because Azaz's goal was so good. Absolutely sensational goal with his yeah. with his left foot. I mean, out of nowhere, no goalkeeper saving it. You can't really defend that much because they were showing him out wide. Um, 
for some reason, Ryan's always been regarded as like a nearly man, even with whatever squad we've got, if it's League One or even now, for some reason, a large portion of our fan base just associates him with being sort of, oh, we would we would replace him and get better if we could. But I've never seen that. And Ryan's made himself, he's still now, he's like in our t- 16th top goal scorer ever. He's doing it at all sorts of levels. You know, our club's barely played at this level, let's be honest, in the last 20, 30 years. If Ryan hadn't been injured, Aaron, a couple of times this year, how many goals we have to his name? And we'd be doing the same things we're doing Morgan, aren't we? He's worth X million. X. I, I mean, I'm doing that already. Um, I think he's sensational. And we're really, we're, you know, Morgan's younger. So maybe he he's the more obvious candidate to be a Premier League target. But we, we're kind of accepted, Chris and I, that, that we'll lose Morgan because it's just a question of how long we hold on to him and we'll get some cash or whatever. And Ryan gives him X time because I think Ryan could stay with us, but he, I, he could be in that team that makes the top six that we're trying to do within five years. So that's mm, how I can. Absolutely. Do. Yeah. It was interesting. So just to jump in there, the development, Aaron, that I've, and you'll know this much better than any of us, the development we've seen and, you know, the la- la- last season in league one was fairly disrupted, a bit disrupted for Ryan, but Schumacher was heavily rotating, wasn't he? And Tom alluded it to it with a kind of low block. It was maybe not suited to Ryan. But he had 0.48 goals per 90 last season. This season, this season it's zero point six one, and that's a notable kind of increase, I would argue. And he no- and he noted it, Ryan, in his uh, presser that I mentioned that he's he feels like it's, he's more suited to this league, and it's an interesting one. It's an Houghton and Ryan who've mentioned that in public, saying they feel their attributes are more suited to this high level. And Ryan was talking about you know people playing much higher up the pitch in the championship, giving him that space and behind. It's what would you put it down to? Because <laughs> He's a different. He's a he's a different beast. And crucially, last bit. Sorry, we will let you speak soon, Aaron. He could no, have right. left for a free. He could have left for a free in the summer because he was out of contract. And mm-hmm. it's now looking like an amazing bit of business that we managed to time down. Over to you. I think having you know met Ryan in more in more closely, more personally in the summer. Um, he's he's a lad who really wants to become the best version he can be, mm. and he's and he's willing to learn how to get better. And when you've got someone as well, like his work rate comes as a given, you know, and all footballers should be able to work hard. But his his high, I'd love to have seen his high intensity running stats yesterday. I reckon they would have been off the wall. Um, and that's one of the things where going back slightly where you guys were saying earlier about, do you know what, if I'm, be, if I'm being honest, aesthetically, when you look at him as a profile, he doesn't look like a top athlete. The way he mm-hmm. runs, the way he carries the ball, he, he looks like he's sometimes out of control. And I think that's why perhaps some people are a little bit reticent to say that he's a top-level player because, because of how he moves. He doesn't, he's not the most fluid when he kind of dribbles with the ball and things like that. But when you look at his stats, they speak for themselves. And, and what I like about Ryan is he knows his limitations as well. So he will do his best within the parameters mm-hmm. that he knows he's capable of. And, you know, even things like yesterday... When he makes runs and he and he chases defenses down, we have to realise that they're getting t- more and more tired every time they're making a run. They're, oh God, he's chasing after me here, you know. When you do that 15, 16 times, that naturally is going to fatigue the defensive, which then maybe allows the others to kind of pick up the, the bits and pieces. And you know, let's not just, on, just on that. Can I pick up the fifteenth and sixteenth time because that was a highlight of the game to me? If he did sixteen, the one where he chased in like triangles, yeah. Just before he got taken off, is a lot about what you've just said. Actually, yeah. you know, especially for those of us that are less tactical, I'm like, look at him. 
He's yeah. on a hat trick. It would yeah. be very easy just to leave that ball alone, but he is chasing it like a dog, as he has done for whatever it was at the time, 80 minutes. Like that's that spirit must be a part of his success, right? It, it, yeah, it, it definitely is. And it and I think it goes back to him appreciating what he's got, what he's doing for a living. He really appreciates it. You know, he's a young, he's a young father, he's got a young boy and you know, he's trying to lead by example and he, he's a family man. And it, just for me, he's a brilliant asset to this football club because he's also a really nice guy. And he's a, he'll do anything for the kids in terms of signing autographs and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I just think he's he's been fantastic. And I'm so pleased he's doing, you know, no one can take away what he's achieved this season, even if he doesn't score another goal between now and the end of the year, which, you know, I, I highly doubt that will happen. He will score goals. Yeah. and. I think what Foster wants, especially from an out-of-possession perspective, really suits his style, i.e. he's going to trigger the press, they're all going to go, invite teams on, can we stretch it? He wants you know, he wants us to have more penetrative runs, so stretch the game, and it just plays into Ryan's setup as his physical profile, and you know, he, hopefully he can only go from strength to strength. Again, that was, that, that, comment, that comment, Archie, quickly, sorry, that comment about where he's saying that the division suits him, um, mm. Not that Ryan doesn't know his onions about his own work, but I, that, that's too humble, if I'm being honest. I think there's more to it that I think the the self betterment is very, 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 very evident. And mm-hmm. Aaron, you made reference to the Southampton goal the other de- day when he came on against Southampton, who them and Leicester, for my money, I don't think there have been better sides in this division's history. They look like I, I think if they're in the yeah. Premier League now, they'd be halfway up it. Ryan comes on and gives them a real problem. Um, and like you said, Aaron, nice guy, you know, great in interviews. Um, really enthusiastic yesterday despite, you know, I'd be thinking, is it not time for a nap, Ryan? Um, <laughs> I think he's one of the, I, I think he's my favourite number nine we've ever had at this club. Wow. My <laughs> statement. I've never been to that in, in, in my lifetime, I'm, I'm not going to upset no. Tommy Tyne in two days in a row. But, um, if I can just add on to that as well, like I sent the clip to you earlier, Archie, like his movement mm. for um, Morgan Whitaker's goal against Watford Um you know, and naturally, I'm not expecting everyone to see it, but you, if you watch it, his movement just to take um, the defender out of the way that allows Finizaz to play over to Morgan, that creates a one v one moment. That is such intelligent play. That's a you know, I'll, I'll, I've sent that to loads of like the young players I work with, saying this is an example of someone who influences the moment without touching the ball. And that's intelligence. That's not just running. That's him deliberately. And what I loved is he was out of the eye line of the defender, and then he ran across his eye line, which which kind of Got caught his attention. He, he took him out of the space, and then Finizaz just offers the ball out to Morgan, and then it becomes a all right. He got a ricochet, but he scored. Yeah, no, absolutely. Those intelligent bits, you know. Actually, yeah. Just just before we move on to when it all got really la, 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 last bit, last bit of Ryan. Go. Yeah, I'm just taking our tales its own story. You've yeah. mentioned Houghton a bit, and others. Yeah. The other thing that I think would make the point coming back to the selection in the first half is just because people weren't playing doesn't mean they're in the bin. Like there seems to be a sense of, oh, we didn't play a player. I think it goes back to that. It's a bold selection for this game. That's the best team for this game. doesn't necessarily mean it's a slight on the players that were in there. It was a slight for the players in the context of that game on that date, in that position with the manager three games in. I think it doesn't mean that he's always going to do that. I think particularly when we come up against the better teams, Maybe we'll see some of those, the talents of a Randall or something will come to the fore. I don't think he was just throwing out people forever. I think he was saying, I want to make an impact today and this is the squad that should start. Yeah, 
Oh, no, only time, only time will tell. Uh, Tom, let's move things along. Uh, that half half time, things changed, didn't they? Was it us or them that changed the flow of the game? Because that second half, it was all alcohol nearly, wasn't it? It was certainly the beginning. Yeah, I suppose, obviously, we spoke about Ryan probably from start to finish. So, I mean, heavily, his performance heavily influential on the outcome um, to the extent an individual ever is. Um, but, yeah, I feel, well, they they... They obviously fancied a change at half time, having seen how things had gone from minute thirty to forty five. And my reading into it, Aaron, as they came out and tried to match up man for man because it was working. And um, I haven't really concluded much more than we were on our game and they weren't playing very well as to why that didn't work. And again, I suppose if you're just matching man for man, you're kind of not posing questions. You were speaking earlier about posing questions. If you're just going man for man, you're you're trying to hold on to a point, are you? And it didn't really didn't work for Cardiff yesterday. Aaron, before you give like an intelligent overview tactically of what happened, we got better and better as a team that didn't know each other started to work each other out, is my incredibly simplistic view. And I think the bit that I'll never know is how much, even in the first half, we'd actually stopped them playing. But that's how it seemed to me was it started to click, it started to click. And as it clicked, we stopped them playing even more. Is it, could it be that simple? Yeah, no, I, I think on, on occasions like that, it, it is that simple. Um, I think confidence is a is a fickle thing, isn't it? It goes up and down. And um, I think the more the game was growing, um, and it, it helped that Ryan scored early in the second half to put us 2-1 ahead. And then yeah. that meant that they had to come and chase it a little bit. Um, and they tried. I know they were a little bit threadbare, not taking anything away from our performance. Yeah. They were a little bit threadbare in the squad. So he props, perhaps didn't have loads to call on. Um, but again, I think it's a combination of one, they were tiring a little bit. Um, and two, we, we got a lot of bit, a lot of joy where Ryan was stretching it with Morgan because he kind of went two up, didn't he? Which has been unusual. Yeah. Normally it's one yeah. and two, two, but like two tens. But he pushed two up and stretched them that way. And then we were getting a little bit of joy in that kind of middle third penetrative passes through. And then as they started to drop, then we went into foreshore as a base and it, that invites them out. So it was, I thought it was quite clever at times that they were trying to play through to get it back. And a, a mid, a, a team out of possession then doesn't quite know what to do. do. Do we press the two CDMs or do we sit? And I just thought it kind of yo-yoed nicely. And I thought they ran out of ideas then. They didn't know what to do. And we just kept getting stronger and stronger. And then when he made the substitutions, you've got players who have been, you know, for me, Randall, Randall's had a decent season. Mm-hmm. Um, Alton's had an excellent season, so th- those boys coming in know know what's expected, and and not only that. Let's be let's be honest, we're we're, we're a good side at home. You know, we're good no, at we, home. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're very good at home. Yeah, yeah. More on that later. There's some eye watering eye watering numbers. Top in the ground. What? Sorry, I'm trying to move things on, but I'm going to go back now. What, what what was the atmosphere like when we're one uh, nil down? Half time. Oh, right. well, okay. One nil down of thirty minutes. So take me through that journey from yeah being one nil down to Hardy making it two one. Yeah, anxious, um, which is why um, I kind of wondered how much that contributed to uh, the first thirty minutes because the second goal was uh, sorry their first goal that from the set piece you know was 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 not great. It did look like uh, deja vu. Um, obviously, you know, people, a lot of people in the ground, including kids, you know, consuming football at a very different level to the way, say, Aaron con- consumes. I think you, when you were last on, Aaron, you con- you you admitted basically can't consume it as an entertainment product anymore. Um, so, no. um, yeah, uh, if, 
pretty pretty normal trajectory of a of a home park day, Archie. Not not. Uh, I don't think home right. park crowds deserve criticism. I see it sometimes, but I think the purists aren't happy either way. But equally, it was. Um, you know, it was anxious. the game. We knew what the game meant, right? I think most people in the ground could see that we've got a tough run coming up. We've we're not pulling up any trees away from home. We're pretty reliant on beating teams at home that aren't as good at us. And Cardiff, like Aaron said, that we knew they were threadbare. They were quite public about it. Probably the manager managing expectations, I would say, certainly seen by his post match comments as well. We felt like we had to win. I suppose where the tension. Uh, lies I, I can only speak for me as a fan and i i imagine this is similar to people in the ground is whilst home parks very enjoyable place to be at the minute you get great value for money archer you were here for a, a couple of games and saw some real high scoring entertaining games yeah um mm. the away form kind of pushes us towards that we, we 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 don't really we haven't really beaten anybody that we shouldn't have beaten and we haven't wanted away from home at all so my only sort of resentment towards what that away form has done um, is it makes those games harder to enjoy because I keep telling Chris Allen, you should celebrate wins a lot more. You know, wins aren't just a bit better than draws. They're they're off the scale about how much better they are. But we've kind of got this reliance on on winning those games. So you that's kind of take a little bit of the joy out of it, Archie. Not at the, not at the not at the final whistle, but at the time where you've kind of set yourself an expectation of winning. Um, yeah. That's not a great place to be. You want to be at a place where you're open-minded and you win the game and you celebrate it. Um, mm. So, you know, it's a tight division in the championship. I think we're going to have to learn as a fan base and a crowd to get over that because I, I think you can see from the league table that you could be eighth at the minute and you should still be looking over your shoulder if you're being prudent. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. Uh, Aaron, it was, I think, part of the reason, to go back to the very beginning when Tom and I were kind of discussing our fears we had yesterday at you know two two o'clock, was that yesterday was so, so huge, you know, in terms of what the game's coming up. You know, Tom and I detailed it in the last pod. Some really, really tricky, I think it's seven or eight games, isn't it? But it's really tough. We've got three away games coming up and there are some really, really tricky games. And we just had to win yesterday. And I hate I hate calling games a must win, but I would probably say yesterday was a must win. I said it before and looking back, I really do think it was a must win. So looking at you know, we need to get to 52 points. Juice Nipper said that I don't know, three months ago. That's that's the aim, 52 points. We're currently on on for I think 53.85. So let's say 54. Um so we're doing okay, aren't we? But like Tom says it could be it could be a tricky a tricky few weeks coming up. I think. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with you, chaps. In that yesterday was a was a big moment. Um, not only was it bold, so like we've already alluded to, the, the team he played, but it was a it was a, it was a must win game really to kind mm-hmm. of just just offer that little bit of an extra cushion. And we've gone up a few places, and when you look at the division. I said it on Argyle TV last week, goal difference will play a part for me. And our goal difference is so much more superior to, I think, everyone below us currently. I think. I might be wrong. Yeah, um, right. And it's not by a goal or two. Some of it's by like 15 goals. And, and, I, and, and not everyone will win every game down and around us. And we, I, I, if you look at where we are now, is there a four-point, you might know better than I do, is there like a four-point or a five-point gap between us and 14? Yeah, between us and yeah. Cardiff. Yeah, that's so, the, so yeah. In, in reality, this is kind of like the mini league. This bit, we're, we're at the kind top of, of it. We're at the yeah. top of that mini league, and as long as mm-hmm. you keep that distance between you and the teams below us as wide as possible, we'll be safe. 
Um, mm. But you just don't want to be, I know this first year was about maintaining our position in the league, but you don't want to be a team year on, year out where you're just relying on staying up. You want to be contending as best you can, or at least become a, you know, a resolute side in, in the division. Um, just on that though, as someone who publicly said, I prefer staying up to going up, like there's something, I don't know, brilliant about not getting relegated. When yeah, no, I agree. I, I really like that. So, you know, QPR's next run of games on paper looks quite straightforward, but that means they can't all win, right? No. So not only is there a nine-point gap, they play Huddersfield, you know, Stoke, who are doomed, um, <laughs> rather um, <laughs> in the next five games. So whatever happens in those, some of those yeah. ones below us are not getting points. Well, right? it's, not, it's not just that we have hard games, it's that the bottom teams are playing each other. If if there's a bit of a mix there, we'll probably stay where we are. QPR have a good run. Okay, they come up, but I do quite like looking over my shoulder. And I do think there's a shift. Whether it manifests itself on the pitch, none of us know. I'm pretty sure we're going to approach those big games differently than we have before. You know, we might, we've gone in with have a go, lose 4 0. Love to see if we can squeeze a few points out of those that maybe we wouldn't have before. So, I, yeah. I think that yesterday was it, it was a must win if you look backwards, but looking forwards, you know, I watched Hull Sunderland the other day. It was dreadful. Mm. Like maybe they cancel each other out, but there was nothing there that you couldn't think you might squeeze a win away at Sunderland. Why no, not? no, no I, I agree with you, and I think if you you've got to be for want of a better phrase, you've got to box clever, haven't you? You can't just go toe to toe with every opponent in a street fight when a, when an opponent is better than you. We've got to admit that the teams who've got bigger budgets are they've got better players if I'm being honest and they can they can got a bit more of an attraction to, to bring better players in because of the the infrastructure the, the wages they can offer but if you can go away and frustrate teams that's when we see it all the time in the Premier League like teams are hard to break down and then you, they nick a goal and you know we, we've already identified that we're, we're not bad when we go from transitioning from defence to attack in that mid-third I think we're one of the best in the division at it um, in, including the stats as well not just my view so maybe it's a case of, I just feel that there's going to be a lot more emphasis and there's already been a lot more emphasis on our out-of-shape positional discipline. Mm, Knowing that's which, jump, you know. Which looked, yeah. that, I mean, that looked better last week, even though yeah. I don't really remember it because no. I had an early start. But my <laughs> overarching mood from that was, yeah, we, and certainly yesterday, you know, from 30 minutes on, yeah, we do look better. We look more capable of, locking a team down if we need to even if it yeah. fails right it might always work but we can try how we look out of possession that's where we'll pick off um in things in part two will be more interesting than it sounds i promise back in a bit all right welcome back to part two so fosball we're getting more and more used to it He's um, coined the term out of possession a lot. Us fans are doing the same. We're discussing it. Of course, it was something he did at the England setup with the under-17s. That was his initial job there, out of possession specialist. Uh, Aaron, in a nutshell, what are you? What are the differences over the three games, two and a half if you count Sutton, that you've seen our girls, Ian Foster, out of possession? What, what changes have you seen? They've looked, in, from my viewpoint, and I'm not saying I'm the expert in this, this phase, but... Um, my viewpoint, they've looked more connected from the back three, the two CDMs and the wing backs. The wing backs aren't as high 
as expansive as they have been. And I think there's been more awareness on transition. So when you get caught in possession, which they will do in transition, what now? And I think he's given knowledge to players on what their roles are when the possession turns over. So are you caught wrong side of the ball? What happens? And for me, we've just looked a lot more um, structured. Mm. And if you're more structured, they almost adopted like a the, the concept that the, well, the modern term is a five-five concept. So you attack with five and you defend with five, which isn't rocket science. But rather than just go Alamo over the top, just gun ho and go for it, which we know we're capable of. Well, we have done. There's a cautious attacking mindset to it. So whilst players go off and do what they need to do, there's also a five members in that team going, right, when we lose possession, this is what our job is. And I think but if you give knowledge to those, that helps. So put a lot of pressure on the wing backs, Aaron, because essentially they're the they're the they feel they're they're the ones interchangeable between the five and five. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So it puts a lot of pressure on them. Um and it, it puts a lot of physical strain on them as well. Because they're asked they're being asked to maraud and get involved in the attack and also the um the defensive bit as well. But where it can help, Tom, is if you've got two base midfielders who aren't really going to join the attack as much and really maraud on they can almost operate either the wide centre-backs can become auxiliary full-backs if needed and the CDs can drop in and make a back line of a five if need be. So it's, for me, it's just understanding their operation. Yeah, fine. I, I, I appreciate that. I've seen that flexibility yesterday and it was interesting you talked in the first part about where Morgan, because I, <laughs> I wasn't certain, but now you've said it, I'm going to also jump in there. I, I saw him becoming a two with Ryan, which is good because Morgan's been adding a lot to his game recently where he's been ghosting in the back post and stuff where beforehand he was almost exclusively sort of a out-of-the-box out creator. Um, and you've got that interchangeability, haven't you? So if you've got a two... Uh, who was at Divine yesterday could be on his own or or Giebe could join him and then for sure be the one. So you've got a lot of flexibility. I suppose we're not going to be able to sum it up in the little amount of time that we've got left because or else, you know, it wouldn't be sort of this um, real skill that Ian Foster's got that not many other people have. Um, but yeah, they seem to be more, they seem to be better informed very quickly about who goes where in certain situations, which I guess results in what, if you get one of those average positional graphs, how it looks like pretty symmetrical and as you would line up. Um, but I, I appreciate they're not just holding there and holding that shape. Maybe I can say they did that in the second half at Huddersfield and that kind of got what it deserved. But there seems to be a lot of interchangeability, which I appreciate there's a lot of elements of chance of why people will be caught in different positions or whatever. But yeah, I can I can see the improvement. Is that just is that just detail? Is that just the the manager saying if this happens do this, if this happens do this and them getting better at retaining that information and doing what they're told? Yeah, I think it will be. Um, you know, his time working with England with developing players, I appreciate as they get older, they get they get locked into positions, but they also they've probably been given a role profile. So what I mean by that is if us four are playing in a game and one of us finds ourselves in a position on the pitch, the role of that situation is this. It's not, well, I'm a centre forward, I'm not gonna do that. Because there will you will find yourselves in those uh, those positions at times. So it's it's giving knowledge to the individual in that moment. Now, normally, when you are in balance, your your players are in the positions that are primary, primarily their, their strongest bits. But in a moment of transition, what does the role become for someone in that situation? And if you give knowledge to everyone in that situation, you, you get an operation that works. You know, it's not me going, I'm a right back, therefore I'm not doing that role. It's, no, I'm in this position, 
therefore my job is to do this in this moment. And I just think he's going to continue to lay in that tactical intelligence that players will pick up on. You know, it's already been noted that Ryan initiates the trigger. So if Ryan decides to go, they all go. Um, and it's not just him needlessly, aimlessly ch- chasing a ball. It's, a, it's, a, it's an intelligent press. It's not a just chase it like a, you know, a loose dog. It's a kind of when the ball gets positioned here, that's the trigger and they all go. And that, that's, a, that's a function of a, of a team operating well. I'm in danger of becoming a parody of myself. Does it also help that we look much bigger? I think so. Like, yeah. like just looking at the general size yeah. and amount of pitch that some of those new players occupy. Mm. Like it wasn't yeah. quite, I don't think yet we've got our kind of ball breaking terrier of a midfielder, but what we have got is an experienced, rarely going to lose the ball and can dictate. But in and around that, we must have. Must have and again my reputation proceeds before I say this. We must have grown by four or five inches. Yeah, across those right. positions that, as well. That, I agree. I agree. And also with someone like Andarko JB, his physical profile he's quite he marauds, isn't he? He goes from he can play a base and he can join the attack within like a few strides. He's got mm-hmm. remnants of um, Panush Kamara about him a little bit the way yeah. he the pitch and. You know, it'll be interesting to see if he if he opts at some point to play Houghton and Forshaw together. Because yeah. you don't know whether their physical profile matches what he wants maybe JB to do. But it depends on the strategy for the game. So it depends if they're trying to yeah. do that or not. Tom, you're a season ticket holder at Argyle. Look, uh, you've probably got the best season ticket in the AFL right now, haven't you? Argyle are the highest scoring team in the championship at home, which is quite incredible. Good bang for your buck, like you said. Um, however, the other team is interesting. Looking at that graph, so that there's a look, the top five are highest scoring teams in the championship, and there's Argyle, number one, and the other four make up the top four in the actual league standings, if you follow what I'm saying. So it makes me, it, asks, it begs the question, <laughs> maybe it's too simplistic, why aren't we there? Or why aren't we at least close to them, Tom? Because that seems incredible that we're outscoring all these teams. You know, you've said Southampton and Leicester are Premier Team, Premier League teams, and waiting. I'm not saying we should be that, but it seemed it seemed a really odd stat. I, yeah, it's a bit of a head scratcher. Mm. Well, there's there's a few things to consider there, is it? Um, it is in the brief of the club to play attacking football, and it's a club that's largely set a strategy and had great success in people fulfilling it. Um, you're also asking a team. There's Plymouth. Arc, I know we wear the same colours and it's the same stadium, but mm. the, we were only saying that the first start of the pod was the managers changed and half the teams changed. So, um, to what extent that stat is now relevant, I'm not sure. Um, and equally, Archie, I, I suppose it's just we, the reason that we're not there is because we're Plymouth Argyle. We've never been in the Premier League. We don't have Premier League money. We've got the 24th largest budget, so we're we're doing the best of what we got. It's very clear that the last manager had uh, had a modus operandi, didn't it, of I'm just going to play to the strengths and not compromise on them to compensate for where we're not great at the back. I don't think you need uh, a huge amount of expertise to see that because of the number of games that we've seen it. Um, so that's why Arch, I suppose that you, you, you go back the clock and go, we're not going to, um, be so gung ho. We won't have scored as many goals. We won't have conceded as many. Where, where, where would that put us in the league table? I don't know. But I, I, I I'm quite a 
rest at the idea that this is a strategic decision that we're going to just place those strengths, but we were going to let in a load of goals. I don't think that was a huge surprise to anybody. It's also yeah. a fine line. It's a fine line because we were a very good save away from four goals yesterday and it being two each, right? No. So, it, and that was a very good stop. So, I'd, I'd like to think that if that had happened or even worse, I'd still have picked up some of the positives. I've got a sort of audit trail on WhatsApp to say I'm sort of, you know, whatever happened, there was some good there. But, like, <laughs> to your point, Tom, it's, it's not rocket science, is it? Keep, no, keep doing some of what we're doing up front and improve at the back and we'll go up the league. The exciting bit I'm always excited about, and um, this is sort of into the business side, but my experience, uh, attack is a premium to build. If you need to replace your attackers, yeah, I mean, we've seen this with the Zaz, right? You would, there's nobody you want. Everybody's millions and millions of pounds. And I think it's Rotherham, who are bottom now. Rotherham have got a ridiculous record of going, being promoted from League One, relegate from the Championship, almost consecutive seasons. I think last year was like the year it didn't happen. And I, I've seen an article, and essentially they just build their defence. And build from there. Now that's not as attractive and doesn't fit with the Argyle brief. But their idea is, I can't buy the strikers who want, so I'm just going to build defenders because a bit ch- buy defenders is a bit cheaper. So if that's a true logic, so Foster's come in, he's got great out of possession experience, great technical ability, lots of coaching experience, knows a lot of not, not knows how a lot of academies at high levels are operating. He's got the expense, the bit that you can't buy. We've got, yeah, we we spoke about this, Archie, with Whitaker and Hardy. For me, go toe to toe with the best attacks in the division. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, they've not been part of multi, you know, eight-figure transactions, I would say, but I would see the evidence is there. They're at the top. Yes, they've had a bit of, I'm sure they've had a leg up from the fact that they've been part of a team that's focused on attacking and not defending. That's probably part of the reason their numbers are so high. But this is the way round that you want it, right? The scoring goals is hard. The, the building the stuff at the back, if you think everybody yeah. thinks of all the garbage teams that have been turned around by a coach coming in out of nowhere and doing really basic stuff, you'd rather it that way round, Aaron, would you? I mean, surely the defence is the easier bit to improve than the attack. I'd, I'd say so, yeah. Not, not, not in all guises, but for where we've got, we, I think sometimes you get to a certain point on the pitch. Let's, let's look at Pep Guardiola. He made a reference last week about Kevin De Bruyne and he said, we've been playing like we've been playing for um, the six weeks, the difference is Kevin De Bruyne has come back and then he turns it on, on ahead and, and they win the game. So talent, you know, sometimes there is just raw talent that wins you football matches in an attacking sense. But I also think that if you can get players to understand collectively what their roles are out of possession, you, you, they're all fit. They're all athletes. They can all run. So just get mm-hmm. to stand and move move as a block. And, you know, and I made I a mean, point on... Yeah. on just quickly, Sorry. I made a point um, yep. on, on the Cardiff game on Boxing Day that our our home defensive record prior to kickoff was identical to the away defensive record. 19 mm. goals conceded at home and 19 conceded away. But I think the goal difference, goal scored, I think it was 20, 20 goals, I think, I think the difference was. My, uh, mm. my, my personal opinion on that, Aaron, having been to a couple of away games, is seeing the hesitation where... I feel like we compromised our attack sometimes without really doing anything in defence. So it didn't really mm. do a huge amount of things. Yeah. So interesting question to you is we've got some hard games coming up. I think after Swansea away, we've got six really tough games against sides that, you know, in, we're going to be second favourite in all of those games. Yeah. Um, do you think that, um, and I, I, I appreciate this is stick or twist, do you think that what we're seeing from Foster is a, positive to why we'd be more likely to win those because what we've not done this season Aaron is win a game where we weren't expected to win it 
Mm. Let's be honest. It, uh, may, maybe Sunderland at home, Norwich. Norwich? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, particularly how much it does. But we haven't had a turn up for the books, have we? We we nearly we we nearly got it with South. If that goal had gone in for Mumber against Southampton, maybe. But what we had been doing is not working. So I, I, I'm taking faith from the fact that we've now got the ability to not collapse away from home. Yeah, I, okay. Does that mean you compromise on your attack? I don't know because you're playing away in a good team stadium. What, what, what's your take on that? I appreciate you could just double down and go and attack and hope that the other side has an off day and we'll finally get that away win. Or is it time for change for you? Um, it's, it's obviously it's not as easy as saying it's that or that for me. It's not okay. that that binary. Um, but I think I think it'll be nice going into a home game, perhaps not being the favourite. In some in some guises, because that will allow us to either have two plans to invite them on and say you're the better team, so you have the ball, and maybe that does that frustrate and allow a team to try and chase it, and then we hit them on the counter attack. Um, I think um, I think Coventry are probably the the form side at the minute, um, mm. or one of the form yeah, sides, and then we've got them coming up. Um, but I, I also think that we'll have. I think he'll have more about him going into these games now. I think he'll have more than one plan, one more than mm. one way to play. So it could be that you start seeing us go away from home. Let's let's take Swansea, for example. Uh, that's after the Leeds game, the FA Cup game, isn't it, Swansea? Yeah. yeah. It could be that they go up and make it hard for Swansea. And Swansea will probably look at us and go, we can beat them, so therefore we're going to come at them. You make it ugly for 60 minutes and then you, you make your personnel change and you, you win the game 2-0. And I'm I'm sure we're all the same. I'm I can't wait for that moment where you go away from home and you win two 0 It was pretty ugly, but you got a result, you know. And I think that's the bit of resilience that we've lacked throughout throughout the season so far. And I think we've got in Foster, we've got someone who's capable of creating that version of our team now. The um... get, get excuses in early, not for him, but me mentally. There's still the fact that those games are against generally teams with better players. Mm. Like, you, know, you can't wave a magic wand and tactically compensate for the fact that over a period of time we're playing very, very good teams. Um, but if you had the choice, and this is there's no kind of sour grapes here, I would rather on the evidence of a few games have Foster in charge against the better teams than Schumacher because we always invariably either were heroic losers or got 5 nil hammerings. So... It, coincidentally, it seems like a good run that we've got them now. Yeah. And it, it, it's interesting you bring it up, Chris. Uh, it makes me think, have you listened to you guys discuss, you know, how hard it is to, you know, attack with the, the, the way we're doing it and, you know, what assets they are, like Morgan and Ryan. And yet this guy has come in. Tom, you and I discussed on the last one, didn't we? How Foster's come in and in three games, he's transformed us from an out-of-possession perspective. And I guess I'm sitting there thinking, if it's you know, and we're talking about that's the stuff he can affect quite quickly. That's and it is his skill set, but it's also the stuff he can affect, telling people where to be, essentially how a team can operate out of possession. I'm I'm thinking, why 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 didn't the last guy do that? Maybe that's really simplistic, but it doesn't. As this develops, I'm, it doesn't reflect great on the last coaching setup, Tom. For me, if I'm being honest, and I'm really trying hard not to be you know be sour about it and i've been very sour about lots of aspects of that uh, schumacher's departure but as as it develops i'm thinking what on earth was that coaching setup doing Tom, can i come in i've got something i want to say yeah so go on. Go on. 
I think you're doing a disservice to the fact that the last two years created the attacking threat that we've got. Right? Mm. And I think even, Aaron, when you were last on, we had that conversation. So I think the focus on attacking football is a great legacy to build on. I don't think it was why wasn't he doing that. I think his priority was scoring more goals. But sorry, Tom. Well, no, I'll throw it back to Aaron as well. Because I'm, just, I'm going to steal your phrase, Aaron, about it not being so binary. Um, if if I'm looking at this in a completely um, neutral sense and with my heart very much not on my sleeve, um, I think anybody who takes a new job has got the ability to come in, blame all the crap stuff on the previous guy. But he doesn't need to make Morgan Whitaker into a Premier League goal scorer, does he? Because he's already got that. So it's very easy to come in once. I think it's his life anyway. If you're reviewing somebody else's work, yeah, you can you can see the faults, but you didn't you didn't do it. So your human errors aren't exposed at that point. So um, I think that's in reality what's happening, Archie. Obviously, I'm trying to consume this like a, like a football fan, you know, partially boosted up on a Saturday afternoon, and I'm very sour about the previous manager leaving as well. So I'm constantly looking for positive reaffirmment that the current manager is better than the old one. Um, but I think in reality, like Aaron said, I think it's that binary. Aaron, I, I, is that fair? I mean, it's possibly, I, I can't do too much of a disservice to the, to the previous incarnation. But if you're, if you're starting a new job, right, you, you fix the stuff that needs fixing and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. And, and I agree with, with Chris in that if you go back 12 months, the attacking thought process, the primary aim to attack with intent got us promoted to this division. So um, we have to give massive credit to Schumacher and what he achieved in that in that period of time. I think it's good that one door is now closed, another one's open, that chapter's ended, and let's see where the new chapter begins. And, you know, let's be honest, um, Foster's coming in and taking over a team that's in a higher division, so it's going to be more difficult um, mm. because they're playing against better players in week in, week out. So, um, and there will be moments, of course, you know, we'll, Every every team goes through a, a blip and there'll be a moment at some point, hopefully it's not in the near future, where we don't win for five, six games and you know, people are then starting to question things and that, that doubt will always be there. But um I think I, I I've said to you before, guys, I'm a big believer in process and if you can get people understanding process and you get the right personnel to um implement process, then more times than not you should get the best the, the outcome you're after. Um, no. And we've got to be patient with that, you know, and I, I really think it'll be a good measure of his out of possession capabilities with this fixture list that's coming up in due course. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to that triple header. It feels like a bit last week where just the fixture rearrangement suit us where there's three home games in a week and it feel mm-hmm. like you've got to, we're going to go into that Coventry game going, oh, what are we going to know in a week? We're going to know that three home games have passed us by. Or to be honest, if we win, I don't know, two of them, that's more than we could ever hope for, isn't it? And uh, yeah. yeah, that feels like a big week in this season. I yeah, agree. But the go, go, go on. Sorry, Archie. No, you go. No, go on, Aaron. I was just going to say, going back to the Coventry game when we played them away, I, I wasn't impressed with Coventry. I, was I, saying that, I know we got Coventry, we got caught with the goal, you know, the goal over the line and whatnot, but they weren't great. And all of a sudden, they've hit a bit of form, haven't they? And if you go mm. back to last year, they lost they lost that and being in the Premier League, what, on pens, was it? Yeah. Was saluting on penalties? They appear yeah. a very super functional football team. I'm with you, Aaron. I was like, I was more disappointed in us rather than blown yeah, away by yeah. them. They, they were below us, and now they yeah. look like they could be in the playoffs. You know, yeah. sliding doors yeah. moment for sure. Well, our away triple header starts next week, albeit in the cup. So we have a January is actually very light on league football for Argyle, which has possibly been a bit of a blessing for Foster. Albeit, I think he's um, 
certainly not been he's been very busy hasn't he poor bloke he, he seemed knackered in yesterday's presser anyway the first uh, away game will be Leeds next week and we'll touch on that in part three but at this point we'll say goodbye to Aaron Aaron thank you so thank you so much for your time it was no great worries, to have you on having me on I appreciate it enjoyed the discussion as always yeah god knows where we'll be next time when we have you on hopefully with the same manager yeah <laughs> we'll wait and see hopefully yeah <laughs> we'll have it we'll have him on for the playoff semi-finals I'll be there ready raring to go You can get on with your quiz. All right, welcome back to part three. Just the three of us now. We've uh, had Aaron leaving us. We're very thankful for his time of a really, really interesting Argyle voice. However, Chris, you've been speaking about another interesting Argyle voice, haven't you, mate, in the in the interval, and you'd like to discuss that a bit further. I did, yeah. It's, you know, we don't want to go on about the fun we had last week in Washington too much, but the privilege of meeting Aaron, who I think is fantastic and also appears to be a brilliant human being and it did occur to me yesterday we've got if you're watching Argyle TV we've got such a massive asset in Katie Middleton I think everything just it works it's good to listen to she's knowledgeable she understands the club and there's just a part of me that says we need to tie Jerry Barton to a chair and and make him listen to this to prove Mm -hmm. some of the it that is talked out there in the current climate and i think we've got a real asset so i'm not sure if she listens but if you do katie you're brilliant if you do erin you're brilliant and jerry barton getting the seat no no it's a lot more topical than i actually um originally envisaged to be honest mate it's yeah she's a really her her and aaron in particular are really really interesting voices and yeah to take it back to katie who did yesterday's yesterday's game she's i mean she's been how long she's been at argo as a as a player isn't she one of argo's longest ever serving players yeah 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 Yeah. and for the women's team done done most things and played in pretty much every position including in goal from memory i mean guys i mean on the basis we put a podcast out and judging (laughs) much to my surprise when i look at the back office people listen to it um you know, Katie knows her onions. Um, so if we can make a podcast people like enjoy listening to, it makes perfect sense that someone that knows a lot more and more about playing football than the mm. three of us talks a lot of sense. And, and I'm with uh, Chris. I think her contributions are excellent. Leeds. On to the next thing. Leeds. Leeds away. We were there. God, when were we there? November? Yeah, was another yeah. One of some these. of us were in Chinos. Some of us were in Chinos. Yeah, it was another <laughs> one of those kind of typical defeats. Poor decision making from us. Get get one back. Look, you walk away from it thinking what could have been. So it'll be interesting how we approach it under Foster, Chris. What are your feelings about the FA Cup? There was a bit of people. Were, I think the general feeling about that draw, people weren't delighted with it. I think it's fair to say. Okay, I, I, you know, I wasn't that long ago that we would have been getting out the little tin foil FA Cups because a league one times go to a Premier League side. So mm. the season does a lot. Said that probably the first time round. Um I think it is yeah um Alex yesterday was saying that the first 30 minutes felt a bit like a pre-season friendly where we we're having an experiment. And I that's a good comment. I know what he meant because we were finding our feet. Another re- another good reason to do that. Right? A defeat does not cost us points. So good opportunity for the manager to experiment. <clears throat> but also I really hope, as they will have, uh, that the backroom staff and everybody watched the game today because 
again, watching them against Preston. Preston looked really good, giving them a go. Decided to sit back and lost. So part of me says that they'll be coming back to the first two parts of this. He'll have a bit of a plan. Maybe he can experiment. They have an incredibly strong squad. And if we lose, we genuinely might learn a lot from the experience. Mm. I'm not having this anybody being disappointed with it being Leeds United, Archie. This is it's Leeds United. Yeah. It's it's mm. Don I mean, they were, they were, Ellen Road marching lot. on together. It's Don Revy. It's Billy Bremner. Yeah, what do they? Who they want? Oh. Bournemouth, Brentford. Yeah, I Luton. mean, a lot of people were were disappointed, but well, did, I think it's well, fair well, to say. Well, it depends how you align your expectations, is it? You, if yeah, you, yeah. No, I'm if just. You, if you set yourself up, you're going to be disappointed with anything other than Man U, Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool. Then you're going to be disappointed. I mean, this is the whole reason we support Plymouth Argyle, right? And not let's just follow the best team, which is what kids tend to do, right? If they're not following their local mm. side historically. My, the reason I never did that as a youngster is because what kind of sell is that? A team nowhere near where I live that if they don't win, I'm disappointed. You know, Man United all those years yeah. ago, you know, they're still, they're still not, they've had 10 years, Man United fans have not enjoyed themselves because their expectations are, they win all the time. Why would you set that expectation? It's a random draw of, what is it, 32 teams? I don't want to have a math lesson on it, actually, but it seems very, very unlikely that we were going to Poor one of those teams. It's happened before, and I think that we're a bit greedy. We've we've had in my lifetime Arsenal, Liverpool twice, Everton. Um, you know some some, some sides never, yeah, some sides have never played those two no. teams. You know, um, I, th- I think is, some is, might is, argue. Gone. I think some might argue that the romanticism of the cup isn't drawing a team away in the same league as you. That's probably. I think where a lot of people are coming from. I appreciate Ellen Road is not your average away ground, as you've kind of alluded to. Um, it doesn't get much bigger in terms of football heritage, to quote now man- a jobless Jose, does it? As Ellen Road, as a place to visit, it's, you know, could be worse. I've just seen some poor argument. I mean, like, we've just got here. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to have imposter syndrome. We've just got here. We've been playing Burton Albion for the last 10 years. Okay, people that get a bit disappointed because we were where we were in the draw. It's random, whatever. I mean, why, why is it even a debate as to what, what draw Gary Lambert gave us? From from memory, from the, in the draws a few weeks ago now, wasn't it? I think we were. It was quite late on in the draw that we came out of the hat. I think there was a possibility of a few big Premier League teams wasn't there until quite late on. So as a fan, I guess you're sitting, I was sitting there thinking, crikey, I think Spurs away might have been on at one point. There was a few others. This is, you know, it could happen. A big, big team, a Premier League team away was pos- was a real possibility. So the, ch- the chances were really narrowed down at that point. But anyway, we got Leeds away. Uh, we want to be in this division, by the way, Archie. You know, we're not, we're not tourists here. I, I get it if we were definitely going down this season because our one chance, right? But we're 15th at this. So we're going to be here for a little while. We'll get more opportunities. Concentrate on supporting the team so that we remain in this division and get more chances of that rather than, than being... It's being tourists, yeah? Being tourists. All right. I would like to a bigger way down. I'd like the money of it as well. But we'll we'll get other chances. We're going in the right direction. Um, So you'll be going then, Tom? No. No, can't make that one. Um, <laughs> Not that good. Can't be bothered. So you need to wait. Man City be camped outside. No, I, I, 
I'd planned around that being a home game, which it now isn't. Um, and like a true fan, I'm not altering my other plans around it. But uh, look, it's a great opportunity, like you say, to go to a... It was 2-1, wasn't it? The league. I know you said about, you know, you picked out the negatives there, Archie, but it was yeah. 2-1. Ben Wayne scored. And that was a league game where Leeds were going half 11 to try and win it, right? So mm-hmm. we're going to go. My gut is Foster has got this opportunity, Chris, to... It, not experiment. It's still a. It's still the FA Cup fourth round, right? But again, it's not the league. No league points are at risk here for gelling our team together a bit more. I would prefer to see his first eleven have some more playing time rather than rotate. My gut is Leeds will rotate. Mm, yeah, I'm sure. And, I'm sure uh, the Ellen Ellen Road faithful will be excited to see what they dubbed a clobber monster. I think it, that was the word they used to describe Joe Edwards. Is it clobber monster or clog? Oh, he's clog. He's got. He's got Joe Edwards at Leeds back here. I have, yeah, yeah. This was all just a preamble to say that. <laughs> yeah. It was clog, it was clogger. I never heard that word, clogger monster. Maybe it wasn't that. Maybe I've made that up. Yeah, they certainly weren't a fan of him. Uh, the that Leeds podcast. I can't remember what the podcast was called now, but they had a good spell, five minute spell on what they were amazed by him. Um, so maybe he'll play because he hasn't seen a lot of action recently, is he? Captain Fantastic Joe Edwards. Maybe he'll get some action, but. Okay, let me rephrase it like this. We, we know your Tom's opinions on it as a draw from a fan's perspective. Chris, are you seeing it as purely a bit of a sideshow? I think it's. No, I think it's a great. I love the competition. I hope we win. We'll probably lose two 0 and I'll be less upset than if it was in the league. All right, Tom. Anything you want to add? Just stranger things happen. Sutton United came and gave us a game. We looked like we were going to let in several goals. Yeah, this is the FA Cup. This is very winnable. Yeah? Man City away is not winnable. This is winnable. Um, If we're going to win the FA Cup, which I called on the pod, bear in mind, when we do do this, I want that played um, on some national media outlets. Um, These are the games we're going to have to win. Yeah? We win this game. The fifth round's uh, midweek game, so it's not going to disrupt anything. Um, fifth round, fifth, yeah, yeah, fifth round. Get a nice home draw against the Prem side that everybody seems to want, you know, Luton or Bournemouth or some big team like that. And um, on to Wembley. I, I don't like writing off the FA no, I don't want to, war and peace on it, Archie. I don't like writing off the FA Cup. Yeah, I, yeah. I, Not great too. memories of the FA Cup. We remember FA Cup runs a lot longer than we remember league campaigns. Yeah, I mean, the gate receipts will be good enough, nothing else. What yeah. is Ellen Road? 45,000 or so? So that's good. Well, they, I don't know what the price will be or if they'll sell out, but it's it's better than kicking the pants. Sure, sure is. All right, um, before we head off into a quiz, any other, anything we've missed? It's been a long one today. Anything at all? No? Silence? In that case, Tom, I'll hand over to you. Okay, uh, yeah, just a short quiz today, gents. Um, brought to you by Swaz, um, our sponsors of the pod just uh for anybody who's not familiar with swaz world leading producer of high quality custom made football kits that you can order from their website www.swaz.co.uk like some teams already have and given some lovely testimonies on their website if you've got five minutes i would go and have a read of those but before discount, you do, discount 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 before you two do that gents yeah we've got wait wait we've got a discount we, don't, we keep forgetting to mention it five percent Oh yes, yes. Okay, so in the pod description there will be the five. So if if you do that, make sure you uh, you get your your five percent, which is uh, there's a voucher for in the pod description. 
Back to the quiz, sorry. Gents, before you do uh, look at www.swales.co.uk and some of their profiles of their team wear or the club shops, as they're called, I'm going to play, uh, we're going to play a little quiz, which we like to do on this uh, pod. We like our quizzes. And I'm going to name you a team that is supplied by Swaz for their team wear and a team that isn't. And I want you two to, between you, can confer to correctly pick the team whose team wear is supplied by Swaz and the team that isn't. Are we okay with this as a concept? This sounds like a Chris made a quiz made for Chris Allen. Come along. So you're, hang on. So you're going to give us both, and we have to say swears, not swears, or yeah, swears or not swears. Okay, All right. That's the one. Okay. Um, okay. Let's start the uh, quiz music. Okay. Tension here for what's undeniably the biggest quiz in Pilgrim's podcast history: swears or no swears, guys. I'm going to name you two teams. Pick the team whose team wear is provided by Swaz. AFC Wimbledon. Okay. Option A is AFC Wimbledon. And option B, KFC Wimbledon. AFC Wimbledon or KFC Wimbledon. I want to put too much pressure on you guys, but which team have been to www.swaz.co.uk and ordered their team wear? AFC Wimbledon have gone slightly viral, I think, online for one of their kits this season. Um, and I know it's not by Swaz, a competitor. Well, I, um, but that, that, said, Archie, that said, Archie, I bet there was no minimum order quantity. Uh, no, I'm, sh- I'm sure there, sorry, rather, I, bet there was, I bet there was a minimum order quantity and that there were extra yeah. costs for uh, added design elements. <laughs> L- bloody Umbro. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. No Swaz for AFC Wimbledon. Uh, happy with that, Chris Swaz for yeah. KFC Wimbledon. Oh, are we playing together? Yeah, it's, 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 it's like we're all friends here. We're all friends here. Okay. Yeah, I agree. KFC by Swaz. KFC Wimbledon do get their team wear from Swaz.co.uk, which uh, if you hopped on today, listener, you would get your kit in an average delivery time of four to five weeks. Let's move on to question two: uh, Olympic Lyonnais or Olympic Mayonnaise? <laughs> Uh, Olympic Lyonnais or Olympic Mayonnaise? What are we going for? <laughs> I think it might. Well, it does imply there's a real team called Olympic Mayonnaise, which is uh, that's the that's that that's the joy here. Is that's the yeah, exactly. Finding out that they exist. Olympic um, Lyonnais. That's I mean, their their Adidas kits are famous, aren't they? So using that Olympic logic, mayonnaise, mayonnaise, mayonnaise as well. Yeah, using that logic, I think um, mayonnaise might be. But is it is it a trick? I mean, you could have it could be a double bluff. Could be, could be. It isn't though. That's correct. That's uh, two two points for Team Pilgrim's oh. podcast. Correctly identifying Olympic mayonnaise. Uh, last one, guys. Let's see if we can get the hat trick at the full house. Um, swaz or no swaz for Rapid Vienna, Rapid Vienna or Rapid Vienetta. <laughs> Oh my god! I got Pavlov's dog. I'm sat in my grand's house with a posh dessert. Is Vienna a thing in uh, Florida, Chris, or the wider USA? Didn't see it on my trip last week. I don't think so. so. Might you need to translate for our uh, our uh, listeners on the other side of the Atlantic? What's a Vienna? It's it's what my grand thought was a posh dessert, tasting like crunchy ice cream. In a, in a like a sort of roll shape. 
Aaron must, be, Aaron must be kicking himself he didn't hang around for the spin. <laughs> he did really well at last quiz as well. Being uh, a chat. Shame. But look, without uh, what, what are we gonna? What's our answer there, guys? Can I? Can I... <laughs> uh, Archie, yeah. what, I, what I really want to know is, do you know who makes the rapid Vienna kit? I did not bank on a world where the the teams I picked, you actually knew the answer. Um, I would probably go Adidas. I can see they're striped, aren't they? Green and white. Lovely. Lovely, need more green and white teams, albeit not in this country. Mm. Um, so, Rapid Vienetta, I'm saying that's got swads all over it. Uh, I would say that Rapid Vienetta have very much been to swads.co.uk for their team wear. That's three out of three, and that's the quiz. That's easily the best performance of any member of the Pilgrims podcast in a quiz uh, that's been recorded on it. Well done. Uh, also, quite a nice lunch KFC with mayonnaise, followed by a Vienetta. <laughs> Can see the, uh, can, see, can see what was <laughs> fraudulently on my mind when I was prepping the quiz. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, that's a wrap, Arch. Nice. I hope Ryan Hardy's not on a Viennetta diet. I'm sure he's not. Viennetta and mayonnaise. Good God. Um, all right, that was a good one. I enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed listening, Chris. Thank you for your time, mate. Thank you. Hey, Chris. We, first uh, pod back since your adventures in Washington. Do you want to give us a thirty-second summary of your weekend? Tom touched on it briefly last time, but yeah, give us a quick lowdown. What what I missed out on? Um, bumping into random Argyle fans at historical monuments. Members a quiz, of the podcast. A quiz when that, there was no Vianetta involved. But it was special. Mm. Um, yeah. And if someone said, pick your dream day, starting drinking at 8.30, an Argyle game, a tour of a brewery, a curry. Dive bars. Dive bars. The, the best, worst karaoke place I've ever been, which is a pod in of itself. And an Irish pub. Doesn't get any better. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. We can't arch. My recollections are uh, 50 uh, Argyle fans clad in green walking into bars. One, we came across Sheffield Wednesday fans and Leeds fans who were very bemused by the situation. Um, <laughs> and DC was just really, it was MLK weekend, Martin Luther King weekend. DC was really, really, really quiet. Just looking back to the photographs, there, there's nobody about. Um, although what I do, I've noticed with DC is you do meet anybody out, they don't tell you what they do because they're working in secret federal jobs that they won't tell me <laughs> it's, it's really not the icebreaker that it is over here what do you do for a living uh, i'm a diplomat doing what end of conversation managing to resist the temptation to start a chant of more at the sundial i've seen more at the sundial outside the lincoln memorial <laughs> will live with me forever <laughs> um, all right you were missed all right yeah no it's out it sounds like it was um yeah, really, really quite quite something. Incredible, really, that there's an Argyle meet-up on the other side of the world. Uh, who knows what next year will look like. Right, let's wrap things up. And, oh, Preston and Stoke lost this weekend, just saying. Mm, not only can uh, you not, not, only can you not win away, no longer can win at home. That's... The only the only thing, yeah, Aaron mentioned about a mini-league, didn't he? The only thing I want to call him out there is, I think, Stoke and, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Cardiff and Preston are the teams above us, albeit there's a four-point gap. Mm. But they don't look as good as we do. So I'm not saying that we're heading for the playoffs, Archie, but I'm hoping to drag those two into it for sure because I'd like to think in about six games' time we're either above them or very, very similar points. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back with you very soon. <laughs>